All right, let's see if we can get the Slainmeister on the telephono. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Hey. Hey, sir. Hey, buddy. It's so strange that when we miss a week of the podcast, and last week we did, that's on me, uh, I don't see you at work in the meantime, and so I feel like we have a world of life to catch up on, and yet probably less than ever. It's true. Well, you, you've you got a big update. Do I? Yeah. Well, are you talking- Above your upper lip. That's what I thought you might be talking about. It's kind of yeah. blocking, uh, it's blocked by my microphone in your POV just now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it. I think it looks awesome. You love it. You want you wanted to bring it back. I did, and here I am, mustachioed. And you talked about even over the over the pandemic, should you grow a mustache? And here you are. I know. You're living your dreams. <laughs> right. You can't let you can't let these global tragedies slow you down. When you want no. something, take it. That's right. That's right. You're getting yours. That's right. Love it. Any anything new uh, follicularly with you? Uh, no, actually, no. Just my second haircut. You did not uh, need a new haircut. That's so bizarre. You had just had a haircut like ten days ago. Not that bizarre. It's it's insane what, to me. What am I? To say? <laughs> uh, no, we just did the fade on the sides and back. Like you know, it was getting to that weird point where all of your hair is just growing out in the buzz phase. Right. So it would have been like a like a sm- like a very tiny kind of uh, fro like look. Well, I, I have this uh, strange relationship with haircuts where I'll get it trimmed and I won't be crazy about it. And then two weeks later, it'll finally look okay Yeah. for two weeks and then I'll need a haircut again. But sure. you you seem to just like your your haircuts are very clockwork based. You look good as soon mm-hmm. as you get a haircut. And oh, thanks. <laughs> that's why we, we came here tonight to, to share these. <laughs> Give each other compliments. Yeah, these uh, hair compliments. So yeah, anyway, we were talking- maybe our hair grows differently. If I if I live for another seventy years, which was the time frame that you gave, yes, that's right. And if I spend thirty dollars on every haircut, then by the end of my life, once I turn a hundred, I will have saved twenty five thousand dollars on haircuts. And you can finally get that motorcycle you've always wanted. That's right. And you can give it At to somebody 100. who can safely drive a motorcycle. Although you know you have to consider as well. There's a couple of like inflationary. Uh, caveats to this simple equation one you'd like to think that the the value of the dollar will change over time and and maybe we'll be spending a thousand bucks on a haircut by then conversely maybe the age of coronavirus so shakes the the fundamental like the core of men getting haircuts that getting a haircut is actually very inexpensive because they so badly want for there to be a business. Do you understand what I'm saying? So a few people are actually paying for haircuts. You can actually get a haircut for like a quarter. So maybe it won't cost $30 in the future. Oh, interesting. See, what what I was thinking was, if I'm living to be 100 and I'm in good enough shape to buy a motorcycle, then and I actually need this money for my pension to continue surviving. <laughs> that's true yeah or just like a really great inher- <laughs> because- really great inheritance for like your next of kin yeah yeah maybe i'll do that 
give them my haircut fund and they'll be like dad that's that's worth your uh that's essentially worth like four dollars you could give them i'll be like go for it a garbage bag filled with 70 years of hair clippings and and also $25,000 mixed within <laughs> and just see who really wants that money <laughs> I'll bury all of the money at the bottom hmm. that's right earn it earn it like I all earned right, it kids you're your crazy great grandfather pulled one of his studs and gave us a garbage bag full of hair. And I won't lie to you, this one's a long con. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what once upon a time he gave us a shoe filled with sand and there was gold bar underneath it, so who knows what could be under this. I read today about a skate park in California that could not successfully get like uh, kids to stop skating at the skate park they could not for the life of them enforce physical distancing regulations and so they just backed up a dump truck and dumped sand on the on the skate park they just filled it with sand so that you can't skate there and then people turned it into an atv park actually but i mean at least there's there's masks on helmets that you wear when you're atving yeah yeah that's true hey I, and and you know that they wouldn't have ATV'd on a skate park, except that they wanted to be like, well, let's prove them wrong yes. by ATVing on the skate park. For sure, they yeah. were just being difficult. Hey, how long do we have with your? If your headphones are low on battery, are we are we fighting against a a clock here? No, no, I think we're good. I have a, a backup set in case they do die. You have two sets of AirPods. No, no, I have a backup uh, plug-in set. Oh, I see, I see. If I need to, so it should be like if it'll be like a thirty-second delay if that one of my quarantine projects as an audio nerd an audiophile has been trying to figure out how effectively to mic an iphone so okay. i have the i have these condenser microphones right these cardioid microphones that have xlr inputs on them and if i can figure out a way to amplify them into the input of an iphone can audio be received on an iphone with one of these fancy pants microphones we record the podcast on and if i can figure out how to do that and I have an idea, uh, and I've got a, a $14 adapter on the way, which will hopefully be what I need. If I, if I can have any success in that department, I'll deliver you a microphone, and uh, huh. we'll have a really slick operation, because this is going to go on for a little while. Yeah, right. And I'll, I'll start doing my voiceovers from home. Exactly. Perfect. Well, uh, I'm glad you're on board. <laughs> I'm 100% on board. How much is the mic? Should I just buy a mic? I mean, the mic you use is like a two hundred dollar mic. Uh, I wouldn't do that. My my brother uses a um, a Yeti microphone, which is like a for the cost is actually a very um, applicable microphone. And the nice did he thing, bought did he, he bought buy one, one yeah. specifically for like this time? No, he already had it. I think he did buy it when we started doing the podcast because for a time it looked like Ross might be temporarily moving to Toronto. And that was when we were like first spitballing doing a podcast together. And so initially, I think, I actually think the initial premise of our doing a Star Wars podcast together was just like to have a standing time to talk on the phone every week while he was living away. And then right. he ended up, his plans changed and he didn't move. And we we're like, well, we're still going to do this, right? And so he just, he comes over to the house the same way you do, at least outside of a pandemic. 
so he has a microphone that he has been using while we're remotely operating. And what he and, and, and I do. Does that sound really good? It's it's a it's a little tricky. I I am not familiar with this microphone. One thing that's nice about it is it's it doesn't require any um, external amplification, and it's not XLR. It's USB. You can plug it right into your laptop. And so if you can figure out how to adjust it um, for your vocals, it's actually a spectacular buy. And they're like a hundred bucks Yeti microphones. Um, but we haven't quite perfected the arrangement of it yet. So it sounds it sounds very good. Something we've done previously is we just talk over the phone while we record our podcast. I record me, he records him, and then he drop boxes his half of the audio to me and I just layer them together. And that wow. that's it's a lot of work, but it sounds really cool. Right. Yeah, that would be a lot of work because not like it just fits together very clearly. Although there there must be some like quiet parts where you're like, okay, this must be where, but you got to listen to figure it out. Yeah, you just kind of have to adjust it and, and then like check through the whole thing to make sure that you're not having any lagging or whatever. Uh, right. I, I, in general, you and I have a very, very good rhythm. And like a couple of weeks ago when we tried to do this over Zoom, you and I noticed right away that there was something wrong. I think because we've done 152 of these podcasts and so we know each other really well, conversationally, rhythmically. So right away, we're yeah. going to recognize if there's some kind of foreign interference with our pitter-patter. And that's why it didn't work. And as soon as we switched to FaceTime, which by the way, FaceTime for the win. I hate to give all the props to Apple, but there just appears to be nothing disruptive about our connection. I was telling friends that, that FaceTime is actually the gold standard. I think so too. Yeah. So I don't know if you heard the big news. Oh my God. I've, I've, there's been lots of big news. Not all of it's so okay. great. No, this is entertainment, fun, funny, fun times. Okay. Parks and Rec. Yeah. They're getting back together for one episode on NBC. Oh, social shit. social distancing episode. Oh, yeah. this Mike is Scher great. Sent, I just got this, this uh, link sent to me right before we started the podcast. Well, I was actually re-watching Parks and Rec because we enjoyed it so much. Um, they are, Mike Sure sent out an email to the whole cast and was like, hey, just wanted to see if you guys wanted to get together for like uh, an episode that we could do on NBC. And, maybe, and he said people, ever, the whole cast got back to him within 45 minutes. That's beautiful. So they're going to be in character. Yeah. It's not like a reunion or a table read. They're going to do new content as, them, as their characters? It's going to take place in current day Pawnee while uh, Leslie is catching up with her friends via social distancing internet, like Zoom oh, calls. That's so cool. I love Isn't it. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. I was just watching Parks and Rec too, actually, because I find, and you'll find this now going forward, now that you've gone all the way through, it's just endlessly rewatchable. We were watching the Kaboom episode with Paul Shear. Oh, yeah. Kaboom uh, Kaboom it. Uh, well, that's spectacular. I really want in another 10 years when the timeline is a little bit more appropriate for Leslie to be running for president, I want them to do the Netflix movie where Liz Lemon is her campaign manager. I want I want the crossover Netflix movie. That would be good. Yeah. That would be Because realistically, her husband can't always be her campaign manager in presidential politics. Right. Yeah, um, actually, I'm really excited to see Adam Scott just... Uh, like I hope this leads to something else. I hope they're all like, you know what? Let's let's start another show. That would be so nice. Well, Amy and and Nick Offerman are doing making it together. Like they have that kind of sweet little craft. I want show. to actually watch that, but there's nowhere to find it. Oh, you can't like stream it online in some capacity. I, 
No, I think you have to like buy it on YouTube or oh. it's on like, I think it's on like the Peacock. But it must have been on like regular NBC. I don't know that it was. Have you been watching Millionaire? Maybe it was. Uh, I, I think we're at least one episode behind. There's a new episode on tonight, right? Yeah. No, it was last night. Uh, Jane Fonda. So, okay. The last episode we watched was with uh, Eliza. Uh, Nikki. Nikki Glazer. Yeah. Oh, buddy. you. So you watched the whole Nikki? No, we watched the first half and then she ran out of time. And so then... you did see the first episode, which was the, one of the most awkward things I've ever seen in any TV show. Oh, yeah, when she actually gave the wrong answer. Oh, and, God. Like, started crying because she, yeah, she knew it. She, the, the answer was a, it was essentially, um, it was something to do with the Oscars, right? The Lighthouse. And anyway, it was a movie question. Yeah, and, it, was, it was 1917 that she wanted to pick, but she said the Lighthouse. That's right. The question was which of these uh, critically acclaimed movies is shot to look like it's all one, one take? Shot. And, yeah. and she wasn't positive, but she and Dr. Drew, who's her buddy, they reasoned out that it was more than likely 1917. She was very confident that it was 1917, which is correct. And then just kind of in a, in a in a Freudian slip, I guess, she said the lighthouse and then she said final answer. Yeah. And then they went to commercial and she was embarrassed and she cried. And because yeah. it's for charity, they let her undo her final answer. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't you? I, well, I guess except... If she went on to win, there'd be an asterisk next to that win. That's true. Yeah. But whatever. I find it very entertaining. I think Jimmy's doing a great job. Yeah. He's pretty funny. Uh, we haven't... This is amazing because this is forever ago. We haven't done a podcast since SNL did their quarantine episode. And by the way, they're doing another one this weekend. Are they? I yep. was going to ask you. Yep. Cool. Who, do we know if there's a host or it's just going to be? No, and I, it was like, I mean, obviously it was so gratifying for me that it was Tom Hanks, but there's something really nice about the surprise element. They can't keep it a secret when they're doing the shows at 30 Rock, but they can kind of keep cameos a secret really well when everyone's at home. Easily. <laughs> the only thing is it's not live. Yes, that's true. And, and it wasn't... It was kind of funny. It wasn't that. It was more just the fact that they were doing it was very cool. Yes. But it was not one of their best episodes. No, it was just kind of um, culturally fascinating that here we are doing this. Yes. Um, do you know you're on pause right now? Oh, no, I didn't. I, I just got out of the screen for a second oh, that's, to mute uh, a right. WhatsApp combo that was happening. That's what was going on. Could yeah. you hear me while I was doing that? I could, yeah. I'm sorry to have okay. uh, interrupted. Um, oh, sorry. It was... It was Exactly. It was very entertaining. I forget the specifics of most of the sketches. I, I didn't think like Pete needed two music videos. Um, <laughs> and oh, and, and I, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I think it's a huge mistake uh, boxing in laughter for update. I think it's disastrously distracting, in fact. Yeah, that was I don't think they'll do that again. I hope not. I don't know if it was cast members. I could have sworn I heard like 80 Bryant's laugh. But it just sounded so much like, okay, your job is to make these jokes funnier by laughing. And it just, it, right. it, it took me out of the punchline every time. You watch these yeah. uh, these late night guys do their monologues. Uh, you know, there's a bit of an awkwardness, but they've kind of found a comfort with it. John right. Oliver, better than anybody. John Oliver never ne needs to have an audience, as far as I'm concerned. His show's the no, same. No, he really doesn't. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jost and Shay can they're in the same boat. They need to not have laughter. Now, I think they're all using their same writers, but did you hear about what Ellen is doing? Oh, buddy, I'm so glad you brought this up. 
<laughs> that is like so. She's a she's a villain. Never trust Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen's the worst. Ellen sucks. Okay, and you, I and you've I, been on this for a while. You, thank you. you. Sent you smelled her out. New to the podcast. Scroll back a ways. I've been on Ellen's trail for a little while, and I'm not the only one. But essentially, her writing staff is non-unionized, and uh, because she's working from home, there's like a bunch of people on Ellen's staff who are just wondering what's happening. They're just left in the lurch while she's in her mansion in Burbank or Beverly Hills or wherever, complaining that she feels like she's in prison. It's just becoming more and more clear, like it's an industry secret that she's a tyrant and very difficult to work with. Do you know who Karen Kilgariff is? Yes. So yeah, she was on an episode of Marin. Right. So she, she now hosts a podcast called my favorite murder, which Becky really likes. If you're like into true crime, I guess you're super into this podcast and she's very funny on Twitter. And she used to be Ellen's, uh, head writer. That was like one of her first big Hollywood jobs. And she either got fired or quit, but like, uh, apparently she's like one of the, the, the prime examples of somebody who got really mistreated in that job just because it's this weird game of like psychological cat and mouse yeah wow i'm so happy that you like you caught on to this very quickly and you were like i don't like ellen i don't think she's a good person and it's very very established now well and i also had the same hunch uh, by the way i don't want to like give in to just like tawdry assumptions that famous people who are trying their best are bad people but i had a similar hunch about james corden and then there are also um substantiating stories about James Corden not being so nice all the time. Right. Have you heard the airplane story about James Corden? No. So there's this famous airplane story about James Corden where he's on a plane and like, this is somebody who's just like observing James Corden being a passenger on a plane and is noticing that he's behaving like quite uh, in quite an entitled kind of diva manner. And um, James Corden takes his seat and then this woman sits down next to him with a baby And James Corden is like, he's not necessarily like showing any early signs of frustration, but uh, while this, uh, this baby's uh, crying throughout the flight, James Corden is just like wearing his mask, wearing his headphones, like trying really hard not to pay attention while this mother is like trying to soothe her screeching child for a four hour flight or whatever. And then at the end of the flight, everybody stands up and it becomes clear that the woman is James Corden's wife and the baby is his child. And he no. just tuned them out for the whole flight and left it to his wife to do it. Oh, God. Yeah. That's, uh, I was not expecting that ending at all. I know. I love the twist in that story. Yeah. Yeah. You really sprung it on me. Plus, he has this gimmick where he, like, he's a one-trick pony in sketch comedy where he's just, he plays a guy who loses his cool, who... You've seen it before. He plays a guy who loses his temper because he's a big time diva, and it just feels a little too close to me. And then yeah. the thing that 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 frustrated me about Ellen before I had a hunch that maybe she was outwardly unpleasant uh, was just I just find the phoniness of like needing of of um, commodifying celebrity friendships so ridiculous. And that goes back to the Dakota Johnson thing that the happened about Dakota a year ago. Johnson. Like yeah. nobody seems to talk about how like not only did dakota johnson catch ellen in a lie and ellen was being phony why does this 60 year old woman need to go to this 30 year old woman's birthday party like will you grow up it's so bizarre right yeah she wants 
she wants uh, people to think that she is cool by pretending that she didn't get invited, but then making the celebrity be like, oh my God, but you w- you should be invited. Cheesy gimmick. Meanwhile, when uh, Conan O'Brien was written a $40 million check because uh, he lost The Tonight Show, he wrote everybody on his staff a $60,000 check. A personal check from his own bank account gave them 60 grand cash. That's amazing. Yeah, just so I, like... I saw- Knowing that there was like a bit of a question mark about where they would go next and knowing that they were going to be like maybe without jobs. He's like, well, here's money. I'm sorry this happened. That's incredible. Yeah. I wonder if there was any politics about that within the staff. Like, do you think there were some staff members that were like, why didn't I get paid more? Everyone got paid 60,000. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe maybe he did have a tear. I heard the number 60,000 as like a gift. But maybe right. there was some kind of uh, pay scale. I mean, a $60,000 gift regardless. Like yes. when you put it that way, like here, just take this. Right. But he had felt guilty That's... because he had like moved his whole staff across the country and then they only had the job for seven months. Yeah. Speaking of, yeah. of, of uh, nice guy comedians uh, and speaking of Michael Che, uh, he had mentioned in Weekend Update that his grandmother passed away from the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, nice guy Michael Che paid rent for everybody in his grandmother's apartment building. Oh my God. Yeah. That's incredible. I know. That's so beautiful. We FaceTimed with my sister and uh, her boyfriend and my mom because my sister and uh, mom's birthday were last Thursday. Yeah. They share a birthday. And they share a birthday cool. and uh, she's in Brooklyn. Um, and they said it's like pretty, pretty good. There's not a lot of people in their building right now. It's kind of like in the summer when like if you have another place to go or like a summer cottage or something, people are there, I guess. Like yeah. if they've got another place in Martha's Vineyard or something like that, they have left. This is your places. sister? Yeah. So she lives in a building nice enough where most people who live there have two homes? Well, that's kind of what I was starting to think too. Like, and it's, I don't think it's like a very big place, but I, I don't know what, what these people's setup might be. Okay. But it's, pretty much vacant or maybe it's you know they they have a family or or parents or whatever um in the tri-state area like connecticut new jersey upstate new york where they can just go there apartments uh, apartment living is something that's that's a concept where i'm very conscious of my privilege and i know some people's uh, apartments are probably more hygienic situations than others like i think about my, my brother and his partner like Anytime I've gone to that building, I've never seen another soul in the hallway. And like they have yeah. in-unit laundry. And I just, I have to imagine like pe- some people living in apartment buildings. That's that's very stressful in a time like this. Like you and I were talking recently about how you're conscious just to touch doorknobs or the, the little beeper so you can cross the, the crosswalk. Like living in a building where strangers live does come with its baggage in a time like this. Yeah, definitely. Now, I'm curious what you think. Because I've seen some stuff on the internet, but I don't think it's taken super seriously in Nova Scotia. Do, do you think that that running is off the table? Like, are we not supposed to? Because here's what I do: if I'm running, I like if someone if I'm running towards someone, I go onto the street. I'm right. like half halfway in the middle of the street. I show I think uh, like more respect than is needed. Well, I don't know. I, I saw you running. In fact, uh, a couple of Fridays ago, I saw you running past the mall when I was driving home from work on the circumferential. Um, 
And we went for a run on Monday morning because we've had a couple too many midday Sunday when it's sunny runs through Creighton Park and it's just a circus. Uh, Yeah, that's not a good place to run any time of the week, as it turns out. No, I think it's incumbent on the runner as as the aggressor to go to go out of their way. Um, Yeah. So an an example is I was walking. I was running through Creighton Park on Monday and there was a gal maybe 100 yards ahead of me. And she was walking in the same direction, but I was like gaining on her because I'm running. And so I was prepared to loop out around her. But then there was another couple walking towards her. So she looped out around them and then I couldn't go anywhere. And so I crossed right. the street and I ran. That's what I did. I ran opposite safe. of the sidewalk, which is not as safe because there's like buses up there. It, it's, I think that running is not off the table, but I think that you need to uh, acquiesce to less convenient times because people right. have to get their walks. Um, and of course you have to, you have to, you lose the right away if you're going to be the runner. And yeah, I think you're totally right there. Okay, cool. We're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And we're in a rural enough area that it's not, um, you know, like in New York, I don't know if people are necessarily doing that. As much I wouldn't want to just, in New York because it's a Petri dish. Yeah, totally. And then there's other places I won't run at all. Like, and this is very specific to our neighborhood, but like I don't run by the lake just because of the populace. Right. And you can see the boardwalk from my bedroom and so you know if the lake is busy. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, be- beautiful view from there. <laughs> hey, do you want to talk about Middle Ditch and Schwartz? Yes, can we? Uh, I Did you watch the first episode? Did you watch two? I've seen two. I've, I've seen, seen two as well. Two okay. of three. We're, we're saving the third one for tonight, I think. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe we'll squeeze it in tonight. Um, I am astonished by how funny and how talented they are. I think maybe Ben Schwartz is a genius. I, th- I think he might be some savant level improviser. I had no idea what I was in for. I thought like, you know, I've, I've heard them do improv before and it's always like those two being a character and being interviewed by someone else. I didn't, I was not prepared for them to be improving an entire room of people. They essentially, they start out the performance. It's about an hour. They start out the performance by just like engaging one or two people in the crowd. They just, uh, they ask a broad question and then they start a maybe a five minute conversation with somebody in the crowd. They learn a little bit about this person's life and that stands as the inspiration for what's essentially a movie that they then improvise. Right. Complete with, I mean, upwards of 10 characters in it and twists yeah. like plot twists and yeah. and um it's actually mind-blowing the first one the thing the twist with the ghost i had to pause it i was like i i don't know how long ago ben schwartz decided he was going to do that with the ghost but right. it, it landed at exactly the point in a movie when there'd be a twist like that it just yes. it knocked me down and it wasn't even him that came up with the ghost. It was nope. Middle Ditch earlier in the show for like one second. Well, and this is what I found is that Middle Ditch is maybe better at characters, but Schwartz is better at cultivating the story. He like he's much better at remembering everyone's name. As soon as like it's out there, he's like, Okay, I'm going to keep this between the ditches. But Middle right. Ditch, so to speak, uh <laughs> is really good at like being those people. But Middle Ditch in the second episode with the uh, boy, like he was kind of the one tying together the the boy and the alien. The alien. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I, I couldn't believe how good it is. I hope they but, add more to the series. But the digital 
original contract thing, I that was like <laughs> Ben Schwartz closing the book on that. And that the fact that I don't know how long it takes them and if they have to edit anything out, but they're 50 minute specials on Netflix. Yeah. Three of them. And I don't think they're cutting stuff out. So it seems like, like they just have like an internal sense of timing. Like they were touring for the year. They might have a light. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they true. might have a guy in the back of the house who like flashes a light at like 30 minutes and another at right. 40 minutes or something. Right. Um, but it's a, I don't want to oversell it because maybe it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I just think on a, on a pure talent standpoint, I, I find it mesmerizing because it's so foreign from any skill set I have. So far, everyone I've talked to is very impressed yeah. by it. And, and that's a good word for it. It's, funny. it's impressive. As, as funny as it is, it's just so impressive. And the, the laugh out loud moments are, there's at least a few. Oh, oh my God. In the second one, when he's doing like the, the surfing mime, when he's like, like has the surfboard, I was roaring. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, when he like pulls in the, the breakfast club motif. Yes. This means nothing to someone who hasn't seen it, but it was just, it was so hysterical. Right. But, uh, but the pleasure that we have clearly taken in watching this and talking to each other about it should be a sell to anyone. I hope everybody edition. watches Middle Edition Schwartz just, just for yes. the, I mean, if you're a fan of theater, I think you'll really enjoy it just because it's, it's, yeah. It's Mac Daddy. It's very good. We give it our ass. And I got to say, I, I didn't think that um, Schwartz was going to be a good improviser. I just, well, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Anytime I've heard him, he's very like silly and like they, they can do a bunch of characters and, and he's very good at like keeping the conversation going. But I didn't know that he was kind of like a storyboarding genius that's and that's what he is in this operation yeah. i think yeah. yeah hey uh and then uh on the other side of a similar coin i watched fleabag live yeah what'd you think of that you didn't see it i didn't see it yet now well I, I i paid my donation because it's or it's not a donation but like you have to pay a fee that then it's contributed to some kind of covid19 related cause uh you yeah. can't watch it on amazon uh as I was led to believe it was going to be on Amazon Prime. That's just in the States. But you can watch it legitimately on the Soho Theater website, which is where it was initially uh, workshopped, I guess. And so I don't know if I was having Wi-Fi trouble for the two nights back-to-back -back that I watched it or if there was some kind of problem with their server. But it was a real slog to get through it with all the buffering. I haven't seen buffering in a decade, and now I'm getting buffering all the time. And that was really... Um, uh, disruptive because you're really trying to get entrenched in in this beautiful piece of work and you are so loving it and then it's st starting and stopping all the time anyway so that was that kind of got in the way of my full enjoyment having said all that everything we've said about her as a talent stands it's uh my friend jade said um it's it's really annoying how good of an actor she is by which she means because she's already such a great writer how dare she yeah. also be such a great actor? And uh, the show is about 90 minutes long, so you'd get your money's worth if you went to see it live. It's essentially the whole first season of the show. Whoa. She plays all the characters, and she really does it all with, uh, with a chair and some audio cues. And I forgot about a lot about the first season because we talked so much about the second season and the priest, and like that kind of overshadowed the 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 masterwork that was the first season. Like, do you remember the thing with the, with the pencil eraser in the first season? No, it's, 
I remember it when it started to happen in the live show. I was like, oh, I forgot about this. And it's so good. It's like it's meant to illustrate how like innocent and pure her friend Boo was before Boo died. And they have the, yeah. they have the guinea pig cafe. Right. And she's yeah. talking about how she read about this little boy who would shove the eraser end of number two pencils up guinea pigs butts. And Boo, okay. and Boo is like, oh, well, that's, it's so sad that they sent this kid away. That kid needs help. You don't do that if you're a happy person. She's like, I guess that's kind of a weird way to, why are you sympathizing with this kid who abuses guinea pigs? And, and, uh, and Boo says, besides, that's uh, what, that's what pencils are for or whatever. That's what they're for. And she goes, what for, uh, she says, that's what the eraser end is for. And, and she says, what for sticking it up guinea pigs asses. And she goes, no, because people make mistakes. Oh right! It's yeah. such it's such a beautiful. It's like a little New Yorker cartoon, but it sheds a tear. Yeah, yeah. That, and she's playing all the characters too. I, I she's I large. She's largely playing Fleabag, but if you, you, if it calls for it, she'll do everybody else. You know what? I kind of figured. I, I kind of thought that the one person Fleabag it was going to be her doing like monologues and just kind of like you know talking about people that she would have interactions with but not actually doing those characters too well, God, it's, all of this. it's both but don't forget the show is monologous right like she's she's yeah. narrating that too and so she does right. the majority of the talking as that character but mm. um no like if she's at the feminist lecture with claire she'll do both of them it's very good well, you should watch it well i will yeah i will I'm, i saw the trailer for uh the save by the bell reboot and oh and who's in this well everybody except okay. except for screech by gum it looks great it looks huh. self-aware it's single cam it seems to look like some kind of satirical meta understanding of how goofy saved by the bell was and now slater is the coach and like their kids are at the school and zach is governor of california or something insane but the trailer looks kind of like they, it's the only way they can pull it off is if they make fun of themselves. And it was it was never really a self-serious show. No. And OK, so what is. Um, why isn't Screech in it? He's like the most money hungry out of any of them. Did they not let him in it? They don't want to work with him. He's uh, plus he's yeah. like uh, they, they're not cool. Like he's he's written like a fake memoir about all kinds of stuff that didn't happen and. He had a he had that sex tape. He got stabbed on Christmas once. Remember that? Or maybe he stabbed somebody on Christmas. I forget which one. Neither's I a good story. <laughs> I remember it because it was my favorite Christmas. <laughs> and I don't think Lisa's in it either. Lisa Turtle. What? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Is Jesse Spano in it? Of course, yeah. And I'm so oh, okay. excited. That's good. I well, yeah, it's hard to have Lisa without Screech, but she shouldn't have been left out because Screech wasn't on it. I'm not sure if that's it. I don't know. Okay. I really couldn't say. They're they're doing a, a live action, and when I say they, I mean Disney. It's been mm -hmm. a little while since we talked about live action Disney adaptations. They're doing Robin Hood next, which raises the question, uh, if you're doing your Robin Hood with like Roger Miller tunes, uh, which I, I love that movie, are are you gonna have like CGI animals? Like, are we doing Fox Robin Hood again? And if so, have you learned nothing from cats? Yeah, I don't. I don't even remember Robin Hood as a. But you do. You remember it to be a very enjoyable Disney movie. Uh, yeah, it's. 
we rewatched it probably like two or three years ago. Um, and we rewatched a couple, like we were, we did, um, Pinocchio a couple weeks ago and, uh, wasn't like really involved in it. It was okay. Um, okay. really impressive, like animation, I guess for its time. Like it's, it's funny yeah. to watch Pinocchio and be like, uh, Hitler hasn't gotten quite as bad as he's going to get yet. Like when they're making Pinocchio, that's like perspective. Um, we also watched Pocahontas, which I didn't think was good at all, actually. Um, and we watched Tangled, which is not of the same ilk. Anyway, we uh, we watched Robin Hood a couple years ago, and it is such a scrappy little movie. The music is so good. The voice performances, some of the best ever. Um, Interesting. I just can't, and I you could say this broadly about all the Disney remakes. I don't, I don't get the point of doing it, but this one in particular, it's so bizarre. Like the whole gimmick is that he's a bipedal fox and he's like sexy, but he's a fox. Like what, what? <laughs> we've done live action people playing Robin Hood before. Yeah. But not a live action fox playing a person. Right. But a live action cat playing a person, I suppose. Interesting. Hmm. I don't, are they for sure doing it? They are for yeah. sure doing it. You said oh, that's yeah, how you Disney. started this conversation. Yeah, Disney does stuff. You know how Disney does stuff. Disney does stuff. You know what Disney is uh, apparently doing? I don't know if you've seen this yet, but the the Mandalorian, like the Disney Gallery Mandalorian thing. So I think it's going to be like an interview that goes on Disney Plus with the whole cast of the Mandalorian. Yeah, it's it's just kind of like a, an after show or a a doc series. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Or they, like an hour long sit down. They also announced a new Star Wars show today and I didn't read anything about it, but um, the makers of Russian Doll are going to do a Star yeah, Wars series. Yeah, that seems like the weirdest fit ever. Russian Doll was a real moment. Like it came out and I don't remember how you felt about it. I really wanted to like it, but I kind of I was lukewarm. Yeah, I was kind of lukewarm too. I, I made it through a couple episodes. People were crazy about it, but then nobody talks about it. It didn't get nominated for like, or did it get nominated? It didn't win anything in awards season. No. No. Anyway, so that's going to be a Star Wars show. Uh, Green Hornet and Kato is back in development. Okay. They're going to reboot hmm. Fraggle Rock for Apple TV Plus. Okay. Apple TV Plus. And then um, what did I see? Anna Kendrick has a new show coming out on HBO because HBO Max is starting to rev up their promotion. They've got their date set for the for the Friends reunion and there's some new shows coming. Do you know anything about, I'm sorry, I'm very stream of conscious, consciousness tonight. Do you know anything about Quibi? Should we do Quibi shows on the show show? Well, Quibi is like a, you know, the, the whole idea behind Quibi is it's supposed to be like a 10 minute. Quick bits. Quick, quick bit show. Yeah. Now, I don't know if there's full series that they're doing or if they're just. I think they're original content, but they're short shows. That's their gimmick. Okay. Um. We can. I don't know. I think we might want to give it some time. Let, yeah. let, let it breathe for a little bit. Sure. See if it works out. That's fine. Because otherwise, we'll just look back and go like, hey, remember how we wasted uh, wasted 20 minutes talking about Quibi? Right. Although we've obviously wasted more time talking about other shows. It looks no. like Jerry Seinfeld has a special coming out yeah, on tw- Netflix. Yeah, 23 Hours to Kill, I think yeah. it's called. There's a yeah. very corny trailer that came out today. I watched. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't watch the trailer yet, but I just I saw it online. There. How did it look? It's a Jerry special. Yeah, it looks like a Jerry special. It's like what's. The, it's very. It's very much. What's the deal with bathroom stalls? 
Do you think there's another uh, uh, Comedians of Cars about to drop? I'd be more interested in that, although I, I, I seem to remember the last season was disappointing. I forget why. I think it just kind of got too corporate. And you know what yeah, else? There could definitely what, be that. What else it is, is it's becoming, and I like Jerry, but much of what Jerry says is very preachy. I really, really, and I like comedians. I really don't like when comedians call non-comedians civilians. I think there's few things more condescending than that. And he's got a real superiority. I know that's part of his shtick, but it only works if it's one way. I don't like when other people come on and they like praise him for what a genius he is. The thing that's nice, and I'll tie it into the Michael Jordan part, because um, you did watch that. Yeah. The last answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jerry Seinfeld, when he pulls up to a car and someone's like, oh my God, you're Jerry. Like he'll have the time for it. Uh, do you think? I think more often than not, he'd be like, oh, hi, that's nice. And then they drive away well, and he's hey, like, oh, that was annoying. No, because he'll like, remember the Zach Galifianakis episode? He's like, no, you need to be prepared for people. Like you're famous. He's like, oh my God, these people are so annoying. He's like, it's not annoying. Right. This is what you signed up for. But, but again, maybe that's just him being preaching. But this is the internal irony, and maybe this is the genius of, of Jerry Seinfeld, is his whole career is built on irritability. And he's irritable that you're irritable. Right. So he's so annoyed that you that you would deign to be annoyed by something. And that's that's actually kind of great. If, kind of if, if he's planning it that way. I don't know if I give him that much credit. I do like Jerry, but sometimes he can be a lot. Yeah, well, and when he gets, like, braggadocious about stuff he's done, like, number one on NBC, I was the only person to ever cancel a show. That, 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 right. That, that it was happened. a long, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's also that. It's like, what would be like today if it was on? Well, you I know? mean, he it was it was before the streaming, the, the streaming uh, boom. Do you know Netflix has added 15 million subscribers in the last five weeks, which says to me, they were able to find 15 million people who didn't already have Netflix accounts, but would maybe be convinced to get Netflix accounts. So the interesting thing now is that, so pilot season is pretty much like done. Like they can't, they can't do new things, but they could definitely pick up stuff that they rejected earlier. Sure. So do you think we're just going to start getting either a, a lower grade or B, Sub, what a subjective person thought was not of the elk for Netflix, which will potentially still end up being a huge success. So stuff that's already made, like somebody's already made a full season of this thing, but it didn't go. Yeah, they just didn't pick it up. But I don't but think that like, happens. We need content now. I don't think I don't think whole seasons of stuff get made and then they don't go. I think pilots get made. That's what pilots are. I suppose you're right. Although I do think that. In in the streaming age, that's getting down a little bit more. But yeah, you're right. I guess they would need someone to finance it. It would be cool if Netflix just like acquired a bunch of pilots that never went anywhere, and like they released like 50 shows that are only one episode. And That'd then, be amazing. And just like and because without fail, something would be in there that would go viral, and everybody would get everyone would agree like this Greta Gerwig show from 2006 is amazing and then yes. suddenly it's on man see maybe that's maybe that's our website is just like pilots.com we pick up all the pilots <laughs> that didn't work for everyone yeah let them let them be or, seen 
or maybe it's a, a YouTube site or whatever. And just it sounds it, it sounds like there's going to be some legal red tape. I'll let you handle that. I got it. Okay. I'm all over it. All right, great. With my law degree. Collectively, as a globe, we have streamed uh, five billion minutes of Tiger King. Uh, are we uh, are we done? Are we away from it yet? Yeah, I think there's it's no, over. There's no other new did, episodes did you, coming. Well, did you watch the last one with Joel McHale? I started it, and then uh, I think it was just getting late. It's nothing like, oh, special. I'll come back to this. It's nothing no. special. No, it's just a where are they now, except they were, they made the show six weeks ago, so it's they haven't really gone that far. It's really just can you believe how famous you are now? Yeah. Was there, was there any good takeaway from it at all? Or? You know what? There is one interesting takeaway, uh, and this speaks a little bit to the manipulation of the original documentary. They're talking to the guy who was like Joe's campaign manager, um, yeah. the fuck the feds guy. And yeah. um, he was talking a little bit about when he watched Travis uh, kill himself. Yeah. Um, what is not clear in the original series is that Travis definitely was not trying to kill himself. And they edited it to make it look like he was like suicidal and he was over it. And then he went in and he shot himself when this guy tells the story, he's like, no, I saw the look of terror in his eyes. He would do this all the time. He would all, he would all the time hold guns up to his head and pretend he was going to do it. And in this moment, he was just wrong and didn't know that it was loaded. How would he have even have time to have a look of terror? In his I eyes? wonder that like, too. I don't know. Huh. But, but yeah, I, I actually kind of did get, get it from the, the series that he wasn't trying to do it. I thought he said like, you know, he wasn't trying to, he said like, no man, there's nothing in here. And then interesting. I, I really took from it that, that he was, cause they were like playing this whole, uh, narrative about how he was like really sad and felt oppressed living on the zoo and he felt misunderstood. And yeah, they did. Yeah. They definitely let in with a bunch of depression stuff first. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, it's, it's fine if we don't ever talk about Tiger King again. I just thought 5 billion minutes was a pretty staggering number. That is. 5 billion of anything. There's a film producer named Anthony McCartan who seems to strictly do biopics. He did The Two Popes, The Theory of Everything, The Darkest Hour, and Bohemian Rhapsody. And his next project is a Whitney Houston biopic. Interesting. Who, did they pick Whitney Houston yet? No, but there's like an Aretha movie coming out. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Who would you cast as Whitney? It's really hard. As Whitney? Like, what age Whitney? Well, it's a biopic, so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> All ages, and then they throw makeup on her? Yeah, you got to get her younger, and then you can older up a little bit. Not, not that she ever really got that old, but you're looking for, like, 80s Whitney, right? Late 80s? Yeah. Uh, I who would it maybe be? I don't know is the answer. I, I don't know. Maybe like the girl from Atlanta or something. Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats. Maybe her. It's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. Hmm. There was a, there was a Twitter meme the other day kind of caught on. I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. Name five perfect movies. 
The Shawshank Redemption. That's one of mine. And it's very important to clarify, like, not necessarily your favorite movies. I didn't. I actively did not choose The Princess Bride, which is for sure my all-time favorite movie. But I've got other favorite okay. movies that are, I think are perfect films. Okay, cool. Um, Shawshank Redemption is a perfect movie. There's nothing wrong with that movie. I think Schindler's List belongs on that. Okay. Um, perfect movies. What's a more recent one? Because I, I, I listed both Whiplash and Lady Bird as perfect movies. That's good. I don't mind Whiplash on there. Maybe... I mean, if we're going by our list, maybe uh, the social network should be on there. I, th- I thought about it. I hummed and hawed. I don't know. But there, if... are, there are issues with it. I think there are too. Um... A newer perfect movie. God, what is a movie that I came out of and was completely awestruck? I just thought it was so good. I put the movie Notting Hill on my list. I think that is. I think there's there are no issues with that. And I I, I wanted to put something that wasn't When Harry Met Sally because it's such a cliche for me to put that. Um, and right. so I was like, what's another like essential sappy rom com that actually is flawless? And I think Notting Hill is a flawless movie. Okay. And then my go-to answer is always Back to the Future, the original Back to the Future, is right. is the leanest movie I've ever seen. Right. There is not a every, word. Every time we talk about movies with fat. Not a that's, breath that's in that movie that doesn't that doesn't apply to the story. Right. And in fact, that's, it's kind of I brought this up because uh, I wanted to talk about, um, did you say five, by the way? I realize I'm, I'm... No, I got to two and then you challenged me to go newer and I don't, I can't really think of newer perfect movies do you want to try and come up with three more or should i say my back to the future thing let yeah let me let me say three more quickly okay i really think that forrest gump could be considered a perfect movie yep Um, some might even say annoyingly perfect right (laughs) yeah that's that's almost the issue with it yeah um uh what would another one be um By the way, did you know um, Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Pulp Fiction were all in the same Oscar year? Oh, that's insane. <laughs> that's all, all Best Picture nominees. Like, holy you hell. Could, you could say, um, if I was going for a Tarantino movie, you could say that that Pulp Fiction is a perfect movie, but it's it's almost too easy to say that because there's, like, they they can take so many liberties when yes. they, they they're not following a timeline. I, right. I think that's kind I think of a little easier. It's a perfect interpretation of what it sought out to be, but it, it's, right. it's like comparing apples and oranges. It doesn't even feel fair to put it in the same conversation as other to call that a more movie. narrative centric films. I don't know. Was there a, uh, was there a definitive top five list? No, but a lot of people said Harry and Sally. Uh, oh really? Okay. Yeah. And a lot of people said Back to the Future because they're correct. Okay, and what was your Back to the Future thing? You were well, going to add more. Well, a debate opened up in the last couple of days, which I find frustrating. I, I think I have a feeling, I have a theory that it spawned from this meme about a lot of people saying that Back to the Future is a perfect movie because a lot of people stuck up their hands and said it's not a perfect movie. I know of a plot hole in Back to the Future. And then that gets guys like me with our backs up because we're like, I bet you don't, but what what are you thinking? And... Yeah. uh Sometimes people like to say that it's a plot hole that Marty comes back to the future and he has just spent a week 
with the teenage versions of his parents and they know him as Calvin Klein. And uh, they don't seem to remember their friend Calvin Klein. They don't seem to find it suspicious that their son Marty looks exactly like Calvin Klein. And I just think that's such an easily explained away um, plot hole that I think it's silly that you brought it up in the first place. First of all, they saw their son Marty grow into this young man. He didn't just like, they didn't come home and he said, I'm your son, by the way. Um, They haven't seen Calvin Klein since they were 17. And when they did see him, they had known him for five days. So And no pictures exist of him. There's no Facebook account or anything. It's certainly not that they don't remember him because when he leaves, the last thing uh, Lorraine says is, uh, Marty, because he, he does say he goes by Marty. Marty, it's such a nice name. It was just supposed to be some corny joke about how they name their son after, although their second son, after their friend Marty Calvin Klein. Um, you're not yet 47, which George and Lorraine are in 1985. You're much younger than that. Can you think of anybody you knew for five days when you were 17? <laughs> And do you think it would be weird if your child grew up to look a little bit like them in your memory? It wouldn't be weird at all. No, because you have no, I like, again, you have no, no memory, no, no recollection. But also there's no one when I was 17 that changed my life over five days. So that's also to be accounted for. Maybe there was. Well, wouldn't I remember that if I was going to name my future child after... Maybe I'm, I'm not saying I would remember what they look like, but I would maybe, at least remember their essence. Maybe you take it for granted. Maybe somebody did something for you in their brief cameo in your young life that had they not done that, your your life today would be very different. It's very likely. Well, I'm, sh- I'm sure that's that's the case. But I, I don't know that they breezed in and out. Maybe they did. <laughs> maybe they did. I'm just saying, when it happens... Okay. You'll, yeah. you'll have to be conscious of that let's talk about shows cool i appreciate that take because uh i i haven't heard that issue brought up with uh with back to the future before well you're my sound and i like board. and i like your defense of it yes I, well I'm, I'm gonna get pretty serious about back to the future any anytime somebody wants to <laughs> challenge me on the up. perfection of that movie by the way i, th- <laughs> I think all of them are perfect movies it is the most and the first one is is exceptionally perfect but in general as one unit of three um, it's the best instance of world expanding I've ever seen. Like the first Back to the Future is such a, a compact little movie that has a world that you believe, and yet it's small. Uh, it's so funny. It's a movie about the entire space-time continuum, and it all takes place on like one city block. Um, and the same city block reoccurs through those next three movies, but they do manage to build the history of their fictional little town. In but three, that's kind of an movies. easier that's kind of an easier way of doing it because it's like a uniform um, shot. Yes. Of, you know, it's easier to see the, the massive change. I mean, it follows the same beats, but not in a, like a hangover yeah. rip off your own script kind of way. Like the point is history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. Although um, we think the first in the, it would probably go one, three, two. No, that would be a very unusual take. Oh, people think one, two, three is, is the, the good order of, of those movies. Generally, I think a, a very common take is Back to the Future 3 is not as good. I think that's really easy to say because it's just so aesthetically different. Um, right. But I think Back to the Future 3 is a blast. Back to the Future 2 is amazing and it's very clever. It's a very smart movie, but it yeah. does it does try to do a lot. It, it does have a lot going on 
And so mm-hmm. if you're just casually watching for the first time, it, it, you might not click on everything right away. But it's a very subtle right. movie. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching it a couple of years. And it's got a, a flea, um, you know. Yeah, that's right. A flea cameo. Yeah, it does. Always interesting. He's actually in three also. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, let's talk about shows. Um, I, I, I don't know whose turn it is, in fact, because it's been a couple of weeks. It's going to be very hard to recap The Last Dance. Yeah. Um, which one do you want to talk about first? Um... Well, I mean, either. I can talk about The Last Dance. Do you want to recap The Last Dance? Sure, why not? Okay. Uh, I guess I'll put you on some kind of proverbial clock. And you I can... watched it twice, so I can... Oh, wow. There's two episodes yeah. out, though, right? Yes. Uh, and there's going to be 10 in total? 10 in total. This is the Michael Jordan documentary series, which is an ESPN production, but in Canada, we can see it on Netflix. Yeah, it's it's released on ESPN on Sunday, and then we get it on Monday. All right, recap the first episode of The Last Dance in three, two, one, go. So the documentary opens up. You're going to follow the 97-98 uh, Bulls after they've won five championships. There's strife within the organization. They're potentially going to try to trade Scottie Pippen. Um, the GM is kind of at... At, uh, at fault although he put together this magnificent team he's talking about potentially blowing it up um michael jordan is showing how driven and how huge he's become um and it's showing him in present day kind of talking about old footage and talking about his rise to fame showing him in high school university how he got there and, and uh yeah i know it's going to be a slow burn on the michael jordan story and i know that there's more drama to convey about his character but they really portray him as a golden boy in this in this particular movie or in this episode he's he really doesn't have any faults he's just talked about as the prodigy that he is and and kind of comes off as a really good guy well hey though and it's gonna get bad okay it's going to get i think surprisingly bad okay i don't know Um, a lot i just i just know that he he's probably a gambling addict that's kind of all I know. So one of the things like you saw where one of the, uh, in, does this, does the first episode, or do they go to France and that they do? They go yes. To yeah. When the guy's micing him up and he, after he mics him up, he holds up a sheet and he goes, uh, Michael, uh, would you, uh, sign this? And Michael kind of like stares at him. Yeah. Gives him like a half smirk. And it's just like keeping eye contact for like an uncomfortable amount of time. He's yep. like, would, would you sign? And then the manager his comes assistant in. Yeah. like comes in and like wave, waves him off and goes like, no, 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 no. Yeah. What's that about? Why wh- is that just because like his, because of the commodification of his, of his brand or I, I don't, I don't know what that means. I mean, I guess I, it's just him big time in somebody. That's just, that's just him being like, I, I don't give a shit. Okay. Like, no, you're not just going to get a, an autograph from me. Like, th- and, and I'm working here. Like not a chance. So he is like, e- egoy. This audio is better by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's definitely got an ego. Okay. Um, but also like 
it comes from a place of him also not being able to live his life at any point. He, you know, like the way Bill Simmons describes it, like he's, he's seen this footage because he first wanted to make a 30 for 30 out of it. And he knew that this film footage existed of the 97, 98 team. And Michael Jordan was just sitting on it for years and years. And eventually one of Bill Simmons old partners managed to get in front of, um, Michael Jordan and say like, listen, there's, people that are wearing your shoes that never saw you play yeah it's time for us to release this footage like let's do a big documentary but it's it's worse and all like there's you know there i think he gets into his dad being murdered which people speculate was potentially because of his gambling issues oh i didn't know that yeah um he uh you know like there's there's stories about him like staying up all through the night until like 6 a.m. the next morning before the Olympics and then winning the gold medal with the dream team, like up all night playing cards and stuff. Wow. And, and just like, and the, the, there's, there's stories about the flu game, him like actually having been hung over or something that the flu game was like a famous playoff game that he had like, uh, like, like he was puking and like, I don't know if he was through the game, but he was just like, had a towel over his head, but put up like 42 points. He still just dominated. Yeah. People love that kind of story. People, people love that. Cause anytime you like exhibit some kind of like superhuman ability. And it's, it's kind of easy to see, like in the, especially in the second episode, it makes Jordan, like you just don't get guys like that anymore that they were not going to win that year. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, he was on a minutes restriction because his ankle was messed up, but then he went to university of North Carolina and just started working it out on his own when he wasn't supposed to be right. Came back way earlier, feeling way stronger. They were like, we're going to put you on a minutes restriction. You're only going to play seven minutes per half. And when he played those seven minutes, he was like dominating to the point that they were on the playoff cusp and the GM did not want, Michael Jordan to play the last like minute of this uh, game four or whatever, or uh, game right before the playoffs to get into the playoffs. If they would have won, they would have went into the playoffs. Yeah. Anyways, he he plays. Someone ends up shooting the the winning shot because he can't play for the last minute. They get in, and then he's just his. All of his interviews are like, I was like, what the hell? Like, you're supposed to play to win. You're not supposed to like sit out like and and then another player on his team shoots the shot and like he's out there cheering like he's losing his mind. He just wanted to keep playing. Okay. Playing was all although he was like money motivated and stuff like he was just so driven. And they explain that in the second episode because his two brothers like his if if he beat his brother in basketball, his brother would literally fight him. Yeah. And just like drove his his competition level. Well, it was talking about when he played college ball. There was another guy who said like I was better than Jordan for two weeks. Like just as if to say like he couldn't stand not being the best, and so he would do whatever it takes to improve. And that guy was and that guy was James Worthy, who's like you know a top one hundred NBA player. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, interesting. Oh, you froze. Did I? Can you hear me? 
I can hear yeah, you. Yeah, I got you. All right, gotcha. we're, we're not having the, the most luck here. Okay, we're going to get through this. Um, I wanted to highlight one comment, and, and you'll know who said this because I don't know any of these other people. It's so funny, actually, because, like, I, of course, have always heard the name Scottie Pippen and usually in the same conversation as, like, wow, wasn't Michael the greatest? But I right. I could never have told you who on the team was Scottie Pippen. I, I did not know his face. I know what Dennis Robin looks like for obvious reasons. I did not know who Scottie Pippen was, and now I do. So that's kind of funny. Um, I, and you'll know everybody, I guess, in this. But one of the – I think he was a commentator – said something I thought was really striking. He said, you could argue that Michael Jordan was as good at his job as anyone has ever been at their job at anything. And that's really something because that's not just talking about um, athletic proficiency. It's talking about celebrity. It's certainly talking about uh, leadership. And I think this is partially a documentary about how big time leadership and and that kind of pressure can really fuck a person up. Yeah. And and I think that's... I think at some point he says, like, listen, like people talk about how much of a difficult teammate I was, but like I wasn't asking my teammates to do anything that I wasn't doing by fucking self. Right. Which is like legit. Who are you, you walk the walk? Who are the Michael Jordans of all the other major sports? Okay, well you got Tiger Woods in golf. For sure. I think Tom Brady in football is the consensus pick like he's the goat interesting because he's like only just like he's still in it yeah um you don't have any kind of uh perspective from the past you you're for sure he's end of his career but six championships yeah yep um yeah i I think you just and the longevity thing also comes into play um wayne gretzky is the clear hockey one he's the clear like hockey point scorer I, I i know he's the great one but i saw jerry d tweet the other day that there should there should be a the last dance about wayne gretzky and i just think that's a terrible idea because he is he is he's just the charismatic inverse of basically every basketball player like he's a black hole of interesting person there's no yeah, there's no mystery there's no great story in wayne gretzky like it's cool that he's so great but like I, there's no there's not gonna be any drama there well, he's he's been pretty open. Yeah, but Michael Jordan hasn't hasn't released and like if you ask Gretzky to do a documentary, I think you'd go, okay, why not? But I'm just saying, I think it would be boring. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think a lot of people do, but Jordan, there's so much like, and arguably, you know, people are comparing like who is who is the, yeah, I mean, Ali with with boxing. Yeah. Um, but like. Michael Jordan might have been the yeah the, the greatest athlete in any sport at any time. Like people, you know, who is the Mike, Michael Jordan of whatever? Right. That's a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Um besides uh I think tennis is probably Federer. Um I don't know what other sports there are. Football. Oh, baseball. Who would be baseball? See, I have um, no idea. I don't have any idea who the best baseball player ever is. Pete Rose? Well, the, it might. Do you say Pete Rose? It's just that's a baseball player I know. Uh, well, he's a famous player who who's never uh, gotten into the MLB Hall of Fame because he was gambling on himself. Well, there you go. See, maybe he yeah. is the Michael Jordan of baseball. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, so they would either be like Babe Ruth or like I don't know, maybe Derek Jeter. Oh yeah. Or like, but I think, or like, yeah, like Babe Ruth. 
like Mickey Mantle, you know, one of those old greats. What about soccer? Uh, is it definitely Beckham with a bullet or is it somebody else who I've never heard of? No, I would say, I would say it's probably like Ronaldo. Okay. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi maybe, or there's another Ronaldo too that was also in there. A lot my, of good Brazilians and Argentinians. My favorite moment of this episode was when they have a, a brief talking head with President Barack Obama and the graphic says he's former Chicago resident. Yeah. In the, in the second episode, they talked to, about Scottie Pippen too because he went to the University of Arkansas and and Bill Clinton's in it. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, I love Scottie, but I, I didn't catch what they put on the screen for him. And honestly, I don't hate it because, like, you know, they have Steve Kerr on there um, who is – and everyone knows what Barack Obama is. Yeah. But they have Steve Kerr on there who's the current, like, coach of uh, the Golden State Warriors, and he's won, like, four championships or yeah. however many. I know who he is. And, yeah. And they they don't have, you know, Warriors coach. They have – Bulls 1988 to 1993 or 1993 to 1998 or whatever it is. Right. Well, that's important for the story they're trying to tell. They're trying to create context for who he is to these people. Well, that's that's exactly what they're, I think they're trying to do with everyone. So, you know, they're not saying, yeah, uh, Phil, is, they're, they're saying, you know, this is a guy from Chicago who you already know who he is, but he's a former Chicago resident. He's telling his story about living in Chicago. That's a great way of looking at it, you know, because... I mean, I, on the one hand, I do for sure think it's a joke about about Obama, and of course, you know who this is. But it doesn't so much matter. We're not just putting him in here because he's the president. We're putting him in here because he was in Chicago and he loves basketball, and and you do care what he has to say. Totally. How about that that really like cute scene with the two kids? Yeah. Where they're like, Mom asked what if we wanted presents under the tree this year or if we wanted to go see Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and we chose the Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, aw. Like tickets would have been so expensive too. It was really sweet. I thought yeah. it was really good. I mean, I give it my S. Um I, I would need for there to be more drama though. It was it was it was kind of yeah, just I, too polished for me. I think it's just stage setting for the first Sure even two episodes although the second episode you start to get into the drama heavy in the end when, good when like scotty pippen basically gets let go from the uh the chicago bulls because he's cursing jerry Krause out on the bus what is his ongoing celebrity scotty pippen he it just seems to like have drifted into obscurity yeah, no, that's he's just one of the the greatest like he was he was the right-hand man to Michael Jordan and and is a Hall of Famer in his own right and would have been, you know, if he was the one guy on one team, mm. it would have been like, you know, the A guy for a number of years and we'd have a different reverence for him probably. Well, there are guys like that on the Warriors. Um who are just, they're so good, but they're shadowed mm -hmm. by, who's the guy who I always say is at every bit as good at free throws as, as Steph on the Warriors? Clay Thompson? Yeah, I think it's Clay Thompson. There was somebody yeah. last year who was like, this guy does not get his due because he's on the same team as, as Steph Curry. And yeah. he sunk every single one. Yeah, Clay Thompson's very, very good. Yeah. He would be an all-star on 
any team. No, yeah. no question. This this show kind of plays a little bit like a band biopic. We were just talking about Whitney, and I just watched that thing you do, um, like right down to the essential slimy managers who you really can't trust. Right. And like the superstar who's like leading the way through right. like through the rise to fame and riches. It plays exactly like a walk the line type movie. I do like the them showing because there's players on the team that go like, you know, he wasn't a bad guy. Yeah. Like if you saw him with your kids, you like he was he's a nice guy. Some of the players were brutal to him. I'm like, it's really showing like, you know, it's not it's not leading. It's one sad. Side. It's sad. They said he would love people who wouldn't love him back and that would hurt him. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's it, it's sad when like, you know, they're making fun of him. Yeah. Uh, hey, For being hey, a fan. You uh, you yeah, uh, uh, like a fat short guy. Yeah. Hey, you gonna go do some layups? You gotta lower the rim. <laughs> Which is like fair to say. You're it an is. NBA player, but like he clearly like you could see how hurt he was too. He's like, Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> like So you give just, it your ass, you like it? Uh, yeah, I love it. I can't wait to I I've watched both episodes twice. Does it make you watch. really miss basketball? Are you really sad that there's no basketball? You know what I'm kind of sad about too is I can't like just go out and start shooting around. Yeah, like that's not really like an accepted thing, and then it's stuff like that that makes you really want to do it. But it's nice because we have a TV in our our like third bedroom, which we just have like weights and a treadmill, and so it's nice to put that on and kind of just like, you know, you could get a hoop and shoot hoops in your driveway. Yeah, but it's not even a good street for it because no. like. You know, once it's it's easy for a ball to bounce ten feet away, and by the time it bounces ten feet behind me, it could go. You have the coronavirus for Christ's sake. And then I got the coronavirus. <laughs> Someone picks it up, coughs on it, yeah. throws it back to me. I can't help but touch it. That's true. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want that to happen. Because I can't help but drop that ball when it's coming <laughs> coming near me. I got got to pick up the rock. You know. All right. Put me on the clock. I'm going to recap the first episode of Run on HBO. HBO, I think. Yeah, it is HBO. Okay, I, I've seen the first two of these now, so I've got to separate the stories in my head. That might be a little tricky, but count me down. Okay, you're going to recap run in three, two, run. <laughs> Mara Weaver is sitting in her car, uh, hanging up on the phone with her kids. She's just living her boring life, and she gets a text message from somebody named Billy, and it says, run. And she thinks about it for a second. She texts back, run. And then she runs, man. She goes to the airport. She buys a last-minute ticket to somewhere. She flies there. I think it's New York. Then she gets on the train. And anyway, it all leads up to her meeting Donald Gleason on a train. And clearly, there is some long backstory between these two university former lovers where they have established a uh, an escape plan where if ever life is not going as they planned, they would text each other, run, and they would run away together. And there's some weird flirting. And he's gotten kind of famous since then as a weird like motivational coach author or whatever she finds him kind of full of shit and she has kids and a husband who she has abandoned her husband is trying to call her and uh i think the episode then ends the whole thing takes place on a train yes um and it has a real style to it it's got like a real western kind of fun on the run vibe yeah the first episode was interesting <laughs> like this is one of the weird weird situations where i think it might be better as a movie yeah yeah like maybe. i don't I, I don't know that we need to see 10 episodes of it and i'm unsure of how many twists and turns we can get out of two people on a train but maybe that's the brilliance of it the second episode is still good but 
for sure they're drawing it out. Like they could probably. It's a little more frustrating though, isn't it? Yeah, because like, are you guys gonna hook up or not? Like, yeah, you have, clearly have like a lot of history, and also there's a reason you're not together, right? Like, you drive each other crazy. Are you sure you yeah. want to give everything away for each other? And early on in the episode, I said to Jen, like, I don't think they're ever going to hook up. I think it's going to be um, them, like, you know, will they, won't they the whole time, and then basically going back to their lives, or at least, like, one of them going back to their lives, but them not getting together. They play fast and loose with the social media that exists in their universe, too, because they kind of seem to not really know what's going on with each other, where, like, she'll hint at, I see your face everywhere because you're famous, but like they don't Facebook stalk each other. But then there was like some talk about like I Googled you. Right. It It's just so weird because like if you if you have an ex from your university days and you still have some kind of emotional connection to them enough that you would do this in the first place, you at least know what's going on. You're Facebook friends. You must be. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to get more into the pact, like when they made this pact. They haven't really unfolded that yet at all. Yeah. It's written by Vicky Jones, who is the director of basically all Fleabag and Killing Eve. She's Phoebe Waller-Bridge's right-hand person. Um, And so this is a Phoebe Waller-Bridge production, just like producerially. Uh, And certainly the dialogue is very snappy. And it has, it's really stylized. Like it's, it's, I thought it was going to be like a thriller on a train and it's not. It's kind of like an epic romance on a train but also, I don't know. It's, it's actually it's actually just a romance, but it's it's, it's kind of fun. suspenseful, I guess. I guess so. I'm, but like, I'm not worried. There's no killer on the train. I'm not worried about the yeah. train derailing. It's it's yeah. it's just weird that she won't call her husband. And by the way, is there not Wi-Fi on this train? He can't get a hold of her. Yeah, they can never talk. Yeah. But then the phone starts ringing uh, incessantly at one point. It's a bit of a Western vibe to it. It, it. Like right down to the scoring has this like kind of surfer-esque electric guitar music. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I know what you mean. I, I wouldn't have said a Western, but yeah, there's there's something there. He's Maybe very... you're thinking of uh, Back to the Future 3 with the train. Oh, there is a train and it's a Western. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also a perfect movie. He's very strange, <laughs> very strange casting as like a smarmy famous guy. He's a good actor. But yeah, I'm supposed to buy him as like a Tony Robbins. I I was kind of wondering, are they like intentionally going like, you know, two non A stars, not necessarily, you know, like your your perfect 10 Hollywood template kind of people. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 not. Sure, they're they're not like to be uh, subjective about looks for a second, but it is interesting. But it, but you know what? It's kind of hot though. It's kind of like a sexy show. Like it, I, I know what you're right, saying. They're not they're I, not Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, is, but they're like, but there there is kind of like a cool heat to the show. I think the idea is like, you know, it's not Mister and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, where you're kind of looking at it through a lens of like, ah, oh, that could never be me, but sure these are these are kind of two to every men in a sense well and they're also just really good actors exceptional actors. yeah of course of course yeah um and i th- i think they i think the fact that they're getting on in in age too is also part of the casting you know they're I'm, both yeah. in I mean, their 30s she's a mother of two there's a whole thing in the second episode i mean it's not a whole thing but like he's clearly a little 
off-put by the fact that she has a family. I don't know if he's put off by the fact that she's left her family or if just that she has a family changes her in his eyes. But like she's taking off her clothes at one point and he sees her C-section scar and he like has a moment where he looks at it. And so like clearly they're not the same people they were when they were just dumb kids. Right. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Like, I think it's the fact that it's a family photo and they all look like happy and stuff. And he's kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I think he's like, I have way less to lose here. Is the whole arc going to take place on this train? Because that's, I don't like when stuff is ambitious just for the sake of being ambitious. It's kind of bodily and you're like, feels like it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm honestly not sure. It feels like at this point they will stay on the train the whole time. Yeah. Well, she gets off at one point and then you think that the train leaves without her and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do like it. I will say it's, it's a little pulpy. I was psyched to watch the second one and I still had a lot of fun watching the second one. So I'm going to see it through. I do too. I give it my ass. I was, uh, I definitely put my ranking lower after watching the second episode and I could see how after watching a third episode, it would potentially go even lower unless they rally unless something really fun happens. I hope so. Yeah. I hope they do. Yeah. Anyway, I give it my ass. I don't like the name run. I think that's corny, but, um, I, I like the premise. It's, it's weird because it built into the premise is these people are not great. <laughs> like there's, it, but also it's, there's like this relatable, I want to escape my life premise to it. And that's kind of cool. Right. Right. So I do give it my ass. It's good. Um, yeah, me too. Did you know DJ Jazzy Jeff had the coronavirus? No. He did, and he talked uh, on Zoom with Will Smith about it and told him he's better now. He told him that he had pneumonia and suffered memory loss from the pneumonia. That, like, when he was in the thick of it, like, he couldn't remember who he was. He couldn't remember anything about his life. Whoa. And it's weird because there's, like, everybody seems to have their own separate set of of symptoms from this thing. Yeah, like the Broadway dude has to have like his leg removed or his like foot amputated or something because of it. No, I didn't hear about that. But Christopher yeah. Cross has lost uh, sensation of his legs. Doctors think that it's going to come back, but everybody's different. It's so weird. Yeah. What's happening here? Um, yeah, and like I, I watched uh, Bad Boys 3. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. It was good. Worth the wait? It's worth the wait. You wouldn't but want you know, to. The, you wouldn't want to get coronavirus and have your memory wiped and forget Bad Boys Three. No, and also like the memory wiping seems like something that's probably within Will Smith's wheelhouse. That's true. He has had whole like a whole series of movies that involves a lot of memory wiping. Yeah. Okay. So, do you think it was just? Do you think it was a flashy pen? Yeah, he a neuralizer. He think he was neuralized. I think it was maybe just neuralized. It wasn't just a prop. It wasn't just a light bulb. No, those are real. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. It was very, That's very why. reckless of them to make real neuralizers for a movie. And, clear, and clearly they've been used for evil. Because sometimes people use real guns on sets. That's how Brandon Lee died. Right. Yeah. And how Will Smith would kill someone in a movie Whoa. if they wanted oh, to. Oh, yikes. <laughs> well, clearly neuralizes old buddy DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you can never trust. You Will can Smith. never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs>